This is the Magic Convention Guide podcast for the 17th of March 2009. Hello folks, I'm Paul Gordon and um, I hope you enjoy what you're going to hear here. And I'd like to thank um, Andrew Webb of Magic Convention Guide, who does sterling work, and uh, so big thanks to him. And if you want to find out more about what I do, visit paulgordon.net. And don't forget, come and see me at Card Capers in Leamington Spa on Sunday the 13th of September. So we're having a chat with Paul Gordon this morning. Um, welcome, Paul. Oh, good morning to you. Welcome, thank you. Thank you for asking me to be here. Pretty much everyone knows your name, but maybe you know those people that haven't... Um don't really know that much about you. Can you explain sort of just what sort of magic you do? Um, well, the kind of magic I, I do is cards, 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 and or cards. <laughs> um, and um, but that's kind of out of choice, um, partly, but also out of necessity, in as much that um, uh, I'm not very good at anything else anyway, which is a bit of a, um, an admission. Um, but I, you know, the youngster, I did all sorts of uh, tricks with coins and ropes and this, that, and the other. But it was always when I picked up the cards, I felt mostly at home. Uh, so uh, I decided to specialise in the subject and uh, have done for well over 30, 35 years. So, not giving away your age, but w- when did you actually start doing magic? Um, well, I first got interested in magic in the, uh, I guess, probably the mid late 60s, uh, which seems like 4,000 years ago as we speak. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time ago, uh, but that was a, a, a very small child, I hasten to add. Um, but then it was really, I think, uh, the mid-70s as a teenager that it uh, it took off in a, in a big way and, and uh, really inspired by the writings of Harry Lorraine. And um, I guess that's around about, I'm trying to think now, possibly around about 75, 76. Um, 1975, <laughs> Well, I was going to say, you know, what drew you to magic rather than anything else? That, you know, a child of that age, yeah, there's there's lots of things you might be interested in, but why magic as opposed to anything else? Um, well, probably slightly to do with um, being quite quiet and shy in those days. Um, I was brought up, but ma- mainly with lots of great aunts and great uncles, people who were sort of probably 50, 60 years older than me at that time, and. Uh, so therefore, I didn't have any uh, cousins or anything to, to, to play with, and uh, you know we lived in the middle of nowhere. Um, and my great uncle showed me a coin trick, and that was the pivotal moment uh, where my eyes were like size of saucers. Um, was surprised at the whole thing, and I fell in love with it. It was just uh, I can still remember that feeling of uh, watching him do that, and it went on from there. So did, did you learn? just yourself did you go to the library did you join a join a club how did you get from you know that wide-eyed child to, to actually get mm. into magic properly um well i think the wide-eyed child um was encouraged to go to hamleys and gamleys and gamages um, when my parents used to take me to london um i think they, they quite enjoyed it because they'd leave me standing there watching the demonstrator and they'd go off shopping which was seemed to be quite safe in those days but um, later, they jokes about it. They would leave me there at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. At uh, lunchtime, they'd uh, buy me a sandwich, and at 5 o'clock, we all go home. <laughs> so I would literally stand there watching the, the, the entertainers and the magicians and the demonstrators. Uh, this is in the days of Inzani Henley and, um, uh, and David Nixon and uh, people like that. Uh, I then um, I remember getting a Christmas present of the John Fisher Magic Book in 1970, uh, which I still got a copy of that. And then in 76, I think it was, um, uh, I found an advert for the Sussex Magic Circle, which I joined, and I've been a member ever since. 
and then for 30, 33, 34 years. And the, the early books uh, I managed to get from a library, and they were literally a handful of books, probably uh, expert card technique, which was way above my understanding in those days, as was expert, um, expert of the card table. Uh, Royal Road helped a lot, but then, as I said earlier, the Harry Lorraine books is, that really kicked it along. So, I mean, you've you've obviously written a lot of books yourselves, and you, you've got you know a very creative side of card card effects mm-hmm. books. Uh, we, we'll talk about the DVD project a little bit later on. But yeah. um, you know, where do you get the ideas from? How do you go from creating an effect, writing it, and so on? Mm. Um, well, the first uh, trick I ever created or or was published was back in 1979. And that was in Abra, in Goodless Abra. Um, and to be honest, it was probably the worst trick you're ever going to see for the rest of your life. It was <laughs> not very good at all. Um, but uh, to answer your point, uh, answer your question, I think it's, it's, it's like um, kind of a, um, what could you do if you did this? What could you do if you did that? It's an inquisitive mind. So therefore, if um, either something just springs to my mind out of my head, like I'd like to be able to do this, and how can I do it? And, and I always try and work out a way of doing it um, in an impromptu fashion with regular cards. So I don't use fakes or gaffs or oh. big setups or memorized decks or anything like that. I like to be able to just you know, think of ideas with the uh, regular cards from a shuffle deck if possible, maximum of five or six card setup. So either I just pluck the ideas out of my head or uh, you read somebody else's uh, material and you like the effect, but they, they had to achieve it with three or four fake cards possibly a full deck setup or something like that yeah. and then try and work out a way of doing it without that and um, so there's you know it, it's basically tinkering and thinking and uh, being so in, absorbed in it um, not to a, a, a nerdy um, existence I hasten to add because uh, you know I do have a life outside of it so I'm <laughs> fascinated by it especially principles I love tinkering with principles because I often feel they're so undervalued and under underplayed and underused you know, often they get disregarded by some magicians as being uh, procedural or boring or, or uh, whatever they might call it but I actually think it's uh, no, I'm not insulting anybody but possibly it could be the performer that's boring not the trick itself <laughs> and, you know I, I fully believe that if you if you throw a whole pile of energy at a routine um, if the effect's good uh, and the performance is good then you've done your job and you've you know, you produce a nice piece of magic. Well, I was going to say, you know, talking about the energy that you throw at things, I've seen you at conventions demonstrating you basically start in the morning and, and go all the way through. You you obviously love performing. Yeah, I do, and I, um, but I'm, I'm very aware that, uh, you know, the energy, I mean, you know, when I'm, when I'm at home, I'm actually kind of quite quiet and private, and uh, uh, I sort of plod around in my jeans and enjoy a few glasses of wine sitting down reading a book, but, you know, when I'm working, when I'm performing, either for, for magicians or for, for laymen, I go up about three octaves, I call it, up about three or four notches, because I feel that you get a better attention if you are uh, energetic and enthusiastic and hardworking. It, it helps focus an audience. And uh, as a hero of mine, Frank Sinatra once said, you know, if you're indifferent, Ensville, that's it, because, you know, if, if you can't be bothered, if you give a lackluster performance, you know, trying to boost an audience from that is nigh on impossible. Hence, hence why I put so much energy into it. Yeah, uh, it's a pleasure to watch you do stuff. I and mean, I can sit there all day watching you and watching you do card tricks. But you also obviously lecture and you 
you, you mentioned you did um, you know, tutoring as well. Yeah. Um, do you do that very often? or? Yeah, I do. I, the lectures I probably do, um, well, I don't know, 20, maybe 30 a year, um, you know, all over the world. I, I travel, um, preferably in this country because I'm, I'm not a great traveller. I always seem to get lost. <laughs> um, and I also seem to get lost baggage or me or tickets. I don't know. I'm not very good at that. So preferably in this country. Um, so I do a lot of lectures. I love doing them because I like to teach. You know, it's not just an ego thing. Um, I do actually genuinely like to perform and teach so that other people do the material and can do it to take away the snobbery out of card magic. Uh. And also, you know, if people do my stuff and I guess they're my best advert, aren't they? <laughs> yes. If they do it well, that is. <laughs> um, and then the tuition. Um, I've been doing the tuition longer than mostly anything, actually. Uh, over 20 years. I say longer than anything. I've been doing it longer than I've been a professional entertainer. Yeah. I've been doing it longer than I've been writing. Yeah, I think you have, a, have to have a certain patience and a certain bent for personal tuition. Um, I, I know people come here who are total beginners and I get professionals come, uh, which is nice. They, they obviously regard my help as valuable, which is kind and um, I, I enjoy it and I get paid for it <laughs> oh, that's even better but I was going to say um, you know is, is it just beginners that come to you or is it intermediate or advanced you know what, what sort of stuff would you teach people if they if they wanted to go the direction of really sort of concentrating on cards yeah I mean, I mean people come for the first time they know nothing about it but they've got this thinking that they might enjoy it obviously I start the first session with a bit of uh, center dealing um, no, I'm joking there um, but I start the first session by entertaining them and then, then teaching them a few basic bits and pieces. But I'm fully aware that some people come for one lesson and you never see them again. Yeah. And the, and I, I point that out to them because they have the best will in the world, but they actually realize that it's actually probably an awful lot more, more work than they ever assumed it would be. Uh, and it happened to me. I, I wanted to play the piano. Um, I went for uh, two piano lessons and I realized that actually it wasn't my calling. And I saved my money, I saved the, the tutor's patience and time and energy, and we kind of called it quits. But then I get some people who are unexpected, uh, the most unexpected one, I've had, I had a 70-year-old guy turn up, and he said, uh, look, I'm retired, and uh, I really want to do this to show my grandchildren a couple of tricks. And he enjoyed it so much, he got a second lease uh, of life, as it were, and um, is now kind of professional entertaining, you know, and loves it, and, and is good. And that's probably quite satisfying for you to be able to have done that. It is satisfying. However, I think the most satisfying um, part of teaching is, and this this was from the books, not the tuto tutorial. Uh, um, I had a letter from a guy saying, um, this is a, quite a few years ago now, and I still got the letter um, in one of the filing cabinets here. And he said that uh, he was very close to the brink of um, uh, suicide. Mm. And... He was very down and out, and he stumbled across one of my books and, and read it, enjoyed it, and for some reason it just prevented him going that terrible step, and brought him back into uh, the world as we know it, and uh, started him fresh. And so he, he you know, wrote this very kind letter, which moved me uh. a heck of a lot. And I know about that kind of stuff because I've been very ill with depression and uh, so on over the years, and uh, I know what that's all about. And I do motivation and talks about that as well, by the way. Can you remember which book that was? Um, oh, well, it was a long time ago. I think it was possibly um, possibly Nocturnal Creations or Protean Card Magic. 
Um, that's about 13, 14 years ago, I think now. So it's not just magic books, is it? You've you've written other books as well. Um, well, they are they are magic books, but they're not books of my material. Um, I'm fascinated by the history of uh, close-up magic and card magic in particular. Um, and so, quite some years ago, I decided to do a few memoirs and biographies, and I, I did a, a biography stroke memoir of Edward George Brown, mm. who um, was a great card man, a really great card man of his day, which is back in the 20s through to the 40s. Um, he de- died very young, in the, in the mid to late 40s. Um, I then followed that with uh, a memoir about Percy Nordrit, who was a colourful character, another one about Victor Torelli. Um, and then I decided to do some reprints of old classics. Uh, and what I did with these classics was to retype, uh, retypeset them, new illustrations, new photographs, and do the corrections, uh, and just really make them a lot prettier than they were in the first place. And I'm talking of titles like um, Hull's Eye Openers and More Eye Openers, which I then called Hull's Complete Eye Openers, um, which proved very popular. And I did the same with Eddie Joseph's Dumbfounders, um, Ed Marlowe in the United Kingdom, which is a collection of Ed Marlowe's work that he published over here in various magazines. And um, I did um, Stanley Collins's Card Conceits, but the, the most enjoyable one is um, Rusback's The Card East, which has never seen, uh, it's never been in print form since it first appeared 50 years ago. Yeah. Um, it's been available as a PDF or as a CD download or whatever you call them. But it's never been in book form ever. So it's now in book form for the first time in 50 years and it's has proved very popular. And it's got startlingly good material in it by uh, people like uh, Elmsley and Marlowe and Vernon and so on and so forth. And of course, Rusback himself. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing. A lot of um, you know really nice card moves and effects and presentations are really hidden away in, in books that people don't know about or can't get or they're, they're out of print and things like that. Well, that's very true. I mean, I, you know, to the youngsters listening or, or to the oldsters listening or to anybody listening, um, what I think is that so much um, attention is put on DVDs in this day and age that books seem to get forgotten or, um, you know, I often hear the cry, well, I don't like to read books or I can't read books or whatever it may be. Um, but I actually believe that the best material, and certainly my best material, is in the books. Um, and I, I, you know, I devour books uh, like nobody's business, and I <laughs> often find gems in you know, the writings of Larry Jennings or Lorraine or um, whoever it may be, you know, John Bannon and uh, Darwin Autist, etc., etc., Aldo Colombini, Peter Duffy. Um, and these are people that uh, produced very few DVDs. So if you rely only on a DVD or the DVD, um, concept, I think you're missing out a heck of a lot. So I always open my books by saying, if you don't read every trick and try every trick in this book, you could miss out on the gem that is absolutely perfect for you in your act. Because it happened to me, I, I remember with Harry Lorraine, I, I skipped or I skimmed through one of his books. And uh, well, nearly 20, 25 years later, I saw him do some tricks from that said book. And my God, I wish I'd read those books properly years before. It taught me a huge lesson. If you find books hard to read, um, just try and work your way through them. And I, my writing is very conversational, so I think if you can read my book, um, my books, you'll, you should find it pretty easy to do so. You've got a DVD project coming up as well, haven't you, this year? Yes, I have. Um, I mean, over the years, I've produced, um, well, over the last 20, um, 
uh, the last 20 years, I've produced quite a few videos and now obviously DVDs. Um, most of them were quite dry and I was aware of that, but I assumed that people watching them would be able to transfer the thoughts and ideas into performance, but I assumed incorrectly, so therefore about five years ago I produced a DVD called Live in Action, um, which shows me doing my material live for real, real people, not magician audiences, ah. um, like some of the DVDs you see. Mentioning no names at all, <laughs> um, but you know you always get the same guys in the audience uh, applauding at the correct moments. Well, I decided that I didn't want to do that, so I had um, some material filmed um, at weddings or parties or behind a bar. I, knew, I like to do a lot of bar work, um, and a lot of this stuff was performed live. And then I taught it all. When it proves such a, a success as a DVD project, um, I'm going to do it again. All right, okay, um, and that's going to be. It's, it's um, provisionally called Card Startlers, um, and it'll be kind of live in action, uh, volume two, uh, with lots of clips of live stuff, and then a whole pile of new material, or material as yet not performed on DVD, will be taught. All right, okay, so it, it's um, kind of the live aspect of it being performed, and then the explanation afterwards of this is the actual effect. Yeah, yeah, so it'll just show me doing, I think, you know, if we can get it together, it'll be probably a three DVD set, which will be about, I don't know, 40 to 50 tricks. There might be some duplications from um, earlier DVDs, but, but mostly, I, I would say 70% of the material will be stuff that's never been on film or DVD before, um, and it'll be from my old books and my new books, and also some material that I haven't actually published yet. So you've mentioned about really just working with cards and, and that's where you've concentrated everything. Um, now you've also got kind of like a, a one day sort of convention sort of tutorial type thing which is card capers, isn't it? Yeah. You ran this, was it last year as well? Last year was the first year um, and it was an unexpected uh, success. I mean I was worried about when I organised it whether you know anybody would like to have a whole day of me <laughs> performing and teaching. So, obviously, if people missed it last year, why don't you tell them a little bit about you know what the thinking is behind it? Yeah, the thinking behind card capers is um, I wanted to, to do something uh, in a, a relaxed atmosphere where there were no egos, including myself. I wanted people to be able to enjoy it, uh, to ask questions, and not to feel frightened about uh, interaction or discussion or feeling like they, they should know something but they don't. Um, so therefore I booked, um, in Worthing where I live, there's a pub which has a uh, function room with a bar. It doesn't mean you have to get uh, sloshed. It doesn't <laughs> mean you want to you relax with a glass of beer or a glass of wine or a glass of whiskey whilst you're watching the whole thing, that's fine. Um, I wanted no more than 40, possibly 50 people, so I didn't want you know uh, people in the eighth, tenth row not being able to see what was going on. And uh, the, the idea of the day is, uh, I lecture, my regular lecture, which by the way is kind of a, a no-holds-barred lecture, so um, it's not for the faint-hearted because I have a few um, choice stories to tell, which are <laughs> pretty funny and experiences and uh, stuff like I can't do at a reg regular lecture. Yeah. So when people come, I tell them that, you know, this is, uh, I'm not going to offend anybody, but it's just uh, the language used whilst performing or the experiences and opinions and so on. Yeah. So. It's kind of an extended lecture at the beginning, and everything's explained. So I, I lecture, you know, you get a game with that full enthusiasm. And then uh, we break for lunch, 
Um, last year we went out for a, a tarry and uh, had a good time. This year we might do something different and do a bit of sessioning whilst we're eating. Um, and then the, the, the second part of the day, where I'm aware that people are getting a little bit um, uh, tired, if there is such a word, we change it slightly and I, I, I then start discussing more the nuances about moves and slights and angles and presentation and performing. And I then break all that up again with question and answers, plus a lot more tricks. Basically, it's kind of eight hours of me and what I do in a relaxed and informal atmosphere, and all that for 25 quid, which I think is a bargain at anybody's um, price. Yes, I was going to say how much, but you know, 25 pound if you think about eight hours um, worth of you know, being with you and being in a small number of people to be able to ask you questions and really sort of go through stuff. I've yeah. always heard you know, very good things about last year's um, event and mm. obviously how popular it was and, and just the fact that you, you did go through everything. If someone had a question, it was like, right, okay, let's go through and we'll we work on this. Yeah, we did that. We went through it in detail. I didn't, I didn't want anybody to leave from the day thinking, oh, he didn't explain that enough or I wish I'd have asked that. And so, you know, I, I know it's so many times in the lectures over the years I say if anybody got any questions and nobody puts their hands up then after the lecture when I'm packing up they come up and ask the questions yes <laughs> I didn't want that to happen at card capers and it didn't in actual fact last year um, we got to our maximum numbers and we had to turn 25 people away which is painful to do but 25 people couldn't uh, attend which is advanced registration by the way so we didn't kick them out on the day and this year the the 10th of may date we've only got two tickets left so we therefore decided to, to, to help the people who don't want to travel too far from the midlands and the north we've actually got a, a second date on the 13th of september um of which there are plenty of tickets available so it's the 13th of september in leamington spa and all the details are on my website. Yeah, well, if you want to give people the, the address for the website and then they can go there and have a look at uh, what's available. Yeah, well, um, thank you. Um, the, the web address is Paul Gordon, which is P-A-U-L-G-O-R-D-O-N dot net forward slash card capers dot H-T-M. And there's no L on the end of that, it's dot H-T-M. And if you're looking at the site, you'll, you'll see the link just below this podcast, so you can just click there as well. Well, it's been fantastic talking to you, Paul. Um, best of luck with the uh, Card Capers days, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Lovely, thank you. Now, as Paul mentioned, he's running the two Card Capers days on Sunday the 10th of May and Sunday the 13th of September. Now, the May date is almost completely full now, so you want to be booking for the September date. You can find out all the information about the day by going to www.paulgordon.com net slash cardcapers.htm or you can click on the link at the bottom of this podcast if you're actually on the site. Now you can find out all the information about this and many other conventions by looking on our website which is www.magicconventionguide.com. <laughs>